0: This teaching is from City Church Coventry. You can find us online at www.citychurchcoventry.org. Psalm 1 Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Good morning and uh, welcome. I'm Chris and uh, welcome to my home. Um, at this time it's uh, it's a challenge isn't it when we can't welcome each other in person but I think one of the good things is that um, even though we're not seeing each other face to face we do have the opportunity to to welcome people from from further afield. So a big welcome to you if you're part of City Church and you're joining as part of our regular service but also welcome to you if you're from another church, or maybe you've decided to join and you're not part of any church at all, and you've just decided that you want to listen in and see what, what uh, this is all about. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whether you're listening from the UK or from another nation, whether you're listening live or or later on, whether you have a church background or or not at all, I just want you to know that you are very welcome, whoever you are. And I say that not just because it's a it's a, a kind of formal way uh, to start, but I think that represents our heart as City Church. I'm speaking on behalf of City Church, and we want to, to welcome you. But I think even more than that, it's a reflection of an even greater sense of warmth and affection from God's own heart, which is extended towards all his children, whoever they are and wherever they might be. And so right at the offset, I want you to know whoever you are, that God loves you and that he has a good plan for your life, a plan to do you good and for you to be blessed. We heard a reading from the book of Psalms. Uh, I love the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is is, uh, a book in the Bible that is full of expressions from the human heart to God and there are 150 different psalms and they cover the whole range of human emotion yes there are happy songs uh, psalms that express praise and gratitude to god but there are also sad songs people who are struggling who have genuine difficulties and worries and concerns who are facing hardship and oppression And they come to God and they don't just pretend that these things aren't happening. But if they're in trouble, they come and they say, God, I'm in trouble. If they're being oppressed, they say, God, I'm being oppressed. If they're downcast, they say, Lord, my heart is downcast within me. And they come as they are. And I think one of the reasons I love the book of Psalms is is because it is so accessible. No matter how you're feeling, whether you're feeling joyful or whether you are going through some genuine uh, troubles in life, there will always be a psalm that uh, reflects the condition that that you are in. It covers the whole range of human emotion, and that's that's a good thing to know. That when we come to God, He doesn't expect us to kind of put on our our Sunday smile, that kind of one size fits all. I'm happy and and everything is wonderful, because. That's not always reality. And God sees us. He knows us. It says that he perceives our thoughts from afar. So if if God knows us so intimately, he knows what we're thinking, he knows what we are feeling. How foolish would it be to hide that? No, God just wants us to come as we are and express ourselves to him. And so I think it's it's interesting that in this very first psalm, in the very first verse of this very first psalm, The very first word of the first verse of the first psalm is this word, blessed. (laughs) And we know that that was also the very first word that Jesus spoke in his teaching ministry when he assembled, assembled the crowd and he brought them up the hill. And they were all waiting to hear what this mighty prophet, this man of God, this one who had been expected for so long. What? is going to be, what? what is he going to say? Is he going to be like Moses who's brought us up the mountain to give us his rules and his regulations? But instead, the first word out of his mouth is this, blessed. And again, I just want you to know that God's heart towards you is that you should be blessed. Now, I don't know what you think of when you hear the word blessed. Maybe you think of uh of it into in sort of terms of financial uh, blessing. You know, you might be in a, in a need of extra finance, and, and if someone gives you some money in in your moment of need, that would certainly be a blessing. Maybe it's just like an act of spontaneous act of love and kindness. Maybe someone leaves you a gift on your doorstep, or. Or reaches out to you with a kind word, sends you an email to tell, and tells you how much they appreciate you. These are all blessings. Maybe you think of just the everyday things that we have to be so grateful for: the sunshine on a sunny day like today, and so many of the days we've had recently. The food on our table, uh, being with with friends and and, uh, and loved ones. These are all blessings. Maybe. You think of um, relaxing on a sun lounger with your feet up in front of an infinity pool with the view of of, uh, the Portuguese sea and a blue sky. That certainly, for me, is a blessing. But um, I think Jesus defined what blessing is the best. Jesus said this. He said, I have come that they might have life. And have it to the full. That's for me is the best definition of blessing. Because if you kind of define blessing in, in all these kind of material things, you can have all the riches in the world and not be blessed, not be happy. Your life can still be empty. You can have all the latest tech gadgets and deny yourself nothing, anything that comes out that you see. Even if you had them, your life can still feel empty and and without purpose it doesn't necessarily even mean having a life without troubles because you can live a tranquil peaceful life and and never suffer adversity or affliction and still feel an emptiness inside and and that's why i think this definition is so good because truly being blessed is the opposite of emptiness. It's having a life that is full. It's having a life that is good. It's having a life that is full of purpose and meaning uh, and being able to enjoy it to the full. And you know what? Jesus didn't just give us that definition of blessing, but he actually said, that is the whole reason why I have come. I have come that you might have this life, this full Good, meaningful life, and that you might experience to the full. God wants you to be blessed. It might seem odd, curious to talk about the blessings of God in the times such that we're in at the moment. We're in the middle of a global pandemic, many of us are separated from family and friends. There are some loved ones who we've not seen in a long time, and and the prospects are that we won't be able to see them for a long time still. There are hundreds of people that we're hearing reported in the news are, are dying every day. I'm pretty sure whatever your definition of blessing is, that's pretty far from what you would consider to be a blessing. And so it raises... A difficult question, doesn't it? If God loves us so much, if his heart is so much towards us to be blessed, why do we have to go through times such as these? Why is it that a God who is good allows evil to touch the lives of so many? <laughs> and I wish I had an easy answer for you, but but I don't. <laughs> there are many people, much cleverer and brighter and better theologians than myself, I've tried to answer this and I've heard many answers and a lot of them don't really satisfy. They either mean that God is made out to be less than fully good or he's made out to be less than fully God. And two things that I am absolutely sure of is that God is fully good and that he is always fully God. He is always fully good. He is the source of all good. All good things come from God. He is the father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. Evil has no place or origin in the heart of God. There's nothing in this world that is evil that has come from him. And so there are things that are going on in this world that breaks God's heart just as they break ours. It's not part of his will. It's not part of his plan. And yet we know that God is fully God There's never anything in this world that is outside of his control or takes him by surprise or or makes him think, oh, how did I let that happen? He's sovereign. He's king. He's Lord of lords. Even in the darkest of times, his light still shines. He is working all things for our good. I know these things to be fully true. I may not be able to explain how they mesh together, but I know they are both true. God is fully good and he is fully God. And I think actually Jesus answered this one the best as well. (laughs) Should be no surprise then that when we want to know the best, we look to Jesus. But he didn't answer this question with words. He answered this question with an action, the greatest action of all history when he went to the cross he demonstrated how god can be fully good and fully loving and yet fully in control even in the most dark and evil of situations the cross is the ultimate expression of god's heart of blessing towards man no greater love has a man than he lay down his life for his friends and god himself was willing to take on flesh and to enter this world and to experience the same suffering and pain that we experience and even to die for us, to take the punishment that we deserved, even the horrible, horrific death on the cross, which was this form of Roman torture and punishment. I don't think anyone at the time before Jesus died on the cross would have looked at the cross and considered, to, considered it to be a blessing. It represented pain. It represented suffering. It represented torture and it represented death. And yet God was able to take this most evil of human actions and turn it around to be the most wonderful source of divine blessing and life for everyone who believes. And so if God can take the cross and transform it to be a time, to be a source of blessing, then how can he not take all situations and even our current situation and cause it to be a means of blessing for us? But I understand the question. It's a valid question. Maybe you're asking it. Maybe you've come and you're wondering how, how can how can God allow things like this to happen? Maybe, you know, people who are asking it. I I was actually stopped in the street and, and asked this out of the blue by uh, by a neighbor who had uh, only really just said a few words more than hello to. At the end of a run, as I was uh, as I was just sort of walking to the end of the, the street and back just as a warm as a warm down and he was walking the other way. He just said to me, "What do you? What does God make of all this? (laughs) How how do you answer that at the best of times? But even more, if you you only have a few seconds to a person that that you've barely said a few words more than hello to. But I just took that moment to explain how God can be good even in the midst of situations that are not good. That His heart is towards us, and if we have difficult questions, then we can ask Him because he he loves to hear from us and he, he always hears us when we pray. And uh, a, a week or so later, uh, Jacqueline and I bumped into this man again with his wife as we were out for one of our uh, one-a-day one daily exercise before before that restriction had been lifted. And we bumped into this man and, and he again uh, mentioned uh, and asked where God was in all that was going on. And again, just shared to him how the light can shine in the darkness and that even though the situation isn't good god can be doing things that are good and i shared an example from my own family about how we're closer now than we were before we were actually having zoom calls once a week whereas prior to that we were kind of meeting up in person but maybe only twice or or even just once a year at christmas and now and now we're communicating with each other on a weekly basis and this clearly touched him and and he shared with me how he had a daughter from a previous marriage and how he'd lost contact with her. He didn't have any contact details for her, although she still knew where he was because he hadn't moved. And he just said, I really hope and I'm, I'm praying that in this time that she is stirred to to reach out and contact me again. And Jacqueline and I just uh, said that we would pray as well. And we believe that that will be. That will be part of this man's journey to faith and knowing the goodness of God that his daughter will reach out and contact him. But it struck me afterwards that this man, this father, whose heart desire in this time is that his estranged children or his estranged daughter would would reach out and contact him, reflects the heart of God that he feels towards all his children who don't yet have that personal relationship with him. You know, I would love, I'm praying for for this man's daughter that that she would get back in touch. But really, that's as far as I can do. I I can't talk to her. I can't encourage her to, to, to get in contact with her father. I can't communicate with her how much her father loves her and is looking forward to hearing from her but i can say this to you if if you are are listening this morning or whenever you're you're listening to to this recording and you don't yet know god let me encourage you that that just as my friend is longing to hear from his daughter that's just a pale reflection of how much our loving heavenly father is desiring for you to reach out to him maybe you've not spoken to god in years maybe you've never prayed and spoken to God, but he's still his heart is that he wants to hear from you. And and my message to you is this is in this time, it's time to get back in touch. I understand that it can be it can be difficult. If you've not spoken to for someone for a long time, there can be barriers. I wonder if his his daughter is, is worried about how that might be, you know, what kind of reception she might get if she reaches out to her dad after all this time. Will he be cross that she hasn't been in touch for so long? And it reminded me of a story. Uh, as I said, I've been in contact with my family on a weekly basis since the lockdown. And my brother told me this story. My brother has just had his dream kitchen fitted, um, spent a lot of money and, and got it just the way they like with with a uh, a kind of breakfast island bar in the middle and a new floor and a floor to ceiling uh, window and doors that, that let the light in. And they've created this wonderful, bright, spacious environment that got finished just before lockdown. And, and, and for them, it's a blessing uh, that they, they take great pleasure in. It's a great place for them to homeschool their two children. And, and they take a lot of of pride and pleasure in this. And he was telling me this story uh, uh of, of, of an event that happened with uh their their youngest son uh and he's really into rocks and geology at the moment and he was out in the garden and he found a piece of flint and kind of inspired by the stories of bear grills and survival he thought i wonder if i can take this flint rock and make a uh, a, a shard uh, that i can spark off so he took the flint rock and he threw it on the ground to try and uh you know split it to make this shard and he threw it harder and harder and harder onto onto the the patio until eventually he succeeded but in the process a piece of the shard of the stone flew up and struck one of the fancy new panes of glass of this uh, beautiful uh new kitchen window uh, that was the pride and joy of my brother and his wife, and uh my nephew his son was was mortified he he knew what he'd done something really bad, and he also realized that there was nothing he could do to fix it, and he realized that he had no resources, nowhere near enough pocket money uh there was nothing that he had that could remotely in any way make repair for the damage that he had caused Um, and he knew how upset his father would be. So he ran away and hid. And eventually my my brother frowned him crying in the garden and just had to reassure him that, yes, although this was really precious and special to him, that that he as his son was even more precious and that he himself would meet the cost of the window and see that it was repaired. And that again spoke to me of what Jesus has done for us. We all, the Bible says, have sinned and have caused God upset and offence. And and yes, there is valid reason for us to be concerned about what God will think when, when we come back to him, especially if we've not spoken to him for a long time. But he just wants us to know that in Jesus, when he died on the cross, that price was paid in full and the damage has been repaired and now there's nothing to stop us to coming back saying sorry receiving forgiveness and being welcomed back in to the family of God but it's up for it's up to us to make the call we're the ones who have to initiate that contact and there's one more thing that we have to do if we want to receive this new life, this this new start, to be welcomed back into the family of God, completely forgiven. And it's a biggie. I'm not going to pretend it's not. We need to make Jesus our boss. Um, It's the biggest thing, but it's also the most important thing. You need to let Jesus have control over your life not just for a week or a month or a year but for the rest of your life and actually for all eternity afterwards you commit to do things jesus way and not your own way because the transaction comes at the cross where we lay down our life for his life because actually Jesus is the best boss to have. And if we don't have Jesus as our boss, then the reality is we have someone else as our boss, someone who doesn't love us and is powerless to help us. But Jesus loved us so much that he came to die and he has all power to help us and to save us. So if you are willing to do that, to get back in contact with God and to make Jesus The Lord of your life, the boss of your life, then then you can do that. You could do that now. You just have to reach out to Him to call on God to say you're sorry and you want to come back into a relationship with Him. Accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers you through His death and His resurrection on the cross and say that you're willing to make Him the boss, the Lord of your life. And if you do that, then you should tell someone because the Bible says if you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that confession that Jesus is Lord is just this, telling someone else that you have made Jesus the Lord of your life. And that's the greatest blessing. And I want you to know that that, that uh, God wants you to be blessed in this time. And the relationship that we have with God is our greatest blessing. That's what gives us the fullness of life. That's what gives us joy. And purpose. If you don't know God yet, that's the blessing you can have by beginning your relationship with God. If you already have a relationship with God, then he wants you to be blessed by deepening your relationship with God. So we can be like we hear in that Psalm 1 of those trees by streams of water whose roots go down deep and who, who bear fruit, the blessed people in relationship with God. I just uh, struck by the the first part of the first verse of of the first psalm where it says blessed is the man who does not and I think this is particularly relevant for us at this time we often think of blessing in terms of things that we do that please god and and we receive a blessing as a result but actually if we think about it and we go right back to the way we began our relationship with god it wasn't on the basis of anything that we had done our blessing wasn't because of anything I did it's because of what Jesus had already done and so although there are things we can do that bless God and and we can receive a blessing this morning as a church we broke bread and that is an activity that we receive real and genuine blessing through there's also a blessing in not doing (laughs) in the inactivity in the rest where we accept what God has done. I know a lot of us when this lockdown happened, we were all kind of thinking, well, how can we, what can we do? How can we do things? What's going to change? And we were still focused on the blessing that comes by doing. And I think part of the shift of focus is God wants to say, you can be blessed in the not doing too. I think um, like many people, I've been watching a lot of uh, television at this time. You know, when there are other things you can't do, you can't go and visit friends. You can't go to concerts. Um, you you can't go to the movies. Uh, and there's only so much you can take of Zoom meetings. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth, isn't it? Um, then a lot of uh, distraction you can get from watching old series on Netflix or similar uh streaming platforms and Michael and I have been getting a lot of pleasure through uh, watching some old sci-fi series and there's something that we've noticed with these series and we were watching uh, one episode and Michael just turned to me and he said dad this is such a filler episode isn't it (laughs) and you get those in some particular it seems to be particularly the sci-fi series where you get these filler episodes you know I mean where if you took that episode out It would make no difference to the plot progression of the other episodes. It it, it may be interesting. It may kind of develop a backstory, but things end up exactly as they were were before. And you could pretty much slot that episode into any place in the series, and it would make just as much sense because it doesn't add anything. It doesn't – there's no progress to it. It's completely self-contained, and whatever is started at the beginning is neatly resolved at the end. It's a a filler episode, and (laughs) – um Star Trek, his, particularly the original Star Trek, was, a, was like that. Almost every episode had that kind of neat resolution. And so if a new character was introduced, especially if they were wearing a red uniform, you could pretty much guarantee that they would be uh, killed off before the end so that the next episode wouldn't have any discontinuity if it was watched out of sequence. But I felt God speak to me quite clearly in this, and, and I believe it's something he wants to say to all of us, that in God's purpose, there are no filler episodes. And what we're going through at this time is not a filler episode. You know, God hasn't, bro- God hasn't allowed this to happen just so that when it lifts, we can just go back and things will be exactly the same as they were before, as if nothing had ever happened. And quite early on in lockdown, uh, God spoke to me when I was, I was just casually um, asking the question, I wonder when things are going to go back to the way they were before. And almost immediately, I felt God speak to me and he just pulled me up and he said, things are never going to go back to the way they were before. Because nothing ever goes backwards in my purposes. The church that comes out of this time of restriction is not going to look like the church that went in. Does the caterpillar in the chrysalis wonder when it can come out and start munching leaves again? Does it wonder about how its body is being broken down and reformed? Has it any conception about what is being achieved through this process and that the glory of the transformation that will be revealed when it comes out. I believe that's how it is for the church, that we're going to come out different. God has got a purpose for the things that we are going through, and it's a purpose of blessing. (laughs) It's interesting, isn't it, the times that we're in. Uh, This is a picture from... uh, uh, Friday last week, when we had the v e day celebrations, and I think it was great how, even though we were in lockdown and we weren 't able to be together, there was such an expression of unity amongst people who in in one sense couldn 't interact and yet there were so many people who decorate their houses and sat at the end of their gardens and had interaction with one another and I thought what a wonderful and fitting way to pay tribute to fallen heroes, to express our unity together. And it made me think that that the same is true in the church. What better way to honour fallen heroes than an expression of unity? And uh, if you're part of City Church or, or related churches, you, you will know that we are honouring Honouring a fallen hero of our own, Tony Lang, who who went back to be with the Lord. And I was just struck by all the expressions that were poured out uh, on Facebook and, and through other means. So many men and women from now in different expressions of the church who were coming together to to stand as one to honour what the Lord had done through this man. What a what a great way to honour fallen heroes. then. To stand in unity, and I see that that's what's happening in the church at this time through this lockdown. We've mentioned uh, the song, the blessing, and this is something that's happened uh, in various nations. It's happened here in the UK. It happened at a city level in Coventry. I wish I'd found a a picture because it would have had some familiar faces on. But I just think it's wonderful how, at this time, how in one sense. We're not able to connect in the way we once were, that God is making new ways of connecting and expressing that unity and togetherness of his body. When the church comes together, this was a song that was recorded. You can see each people in their own homes, but singing together with a united voice, God's heart of blessing to his people, to this nation and to the world, even in the dark times that we're in, and do you know what? That kind of unity, we're told, commands the blessing of God. Psalm 133, verse three, says this, and it talks about where brothers dwell together in unity. And I believe that's what the Lord is is achieving in this time—a wider unity. Uh, More connections across his whole body, across this whole world. It's never, in a sense, it's never been easier to connect with people who are remote. And it says, where brothers dwell together in unity, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing. Even life forevermore, that fullness of life that Jesus came to bring. So I know the psalm is long and there's so much other good stuff in there and and I hope you don't feel cheated that I've really only just covered half of, of the first verse but I hope that if I've communicated one thing to you it's this that God wants you to be blessed. If you don't know him then he wants you to experience the blessing of coming home to the family of God. If you do know him he wants you to be blessed through a deepening relationship with him through that meditation on his word through those refreshing life-giving streams of the holy spirit that can flow even in the driest of places that can be experienced even when we're on our own uh, on our own in these situations that we can be blessed even in this kind of enforced season of not doing at this time and for the church as a whole that he wants to bless his people and to use this time to transform us to be more of the glorious expression of Jesus that he wants us to be. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. And give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to this teaching from City Church Coventry. You can find more great teaching and other resources on our website at www.citychurchcoventry.org.